So you know you're you're going through airport security. Yep. And uh, you, you're. You walk through the machine and they scan you, or sometimes they pull you to the side and they'll do a little pat down. I've never had that happen to me. I can't imagine why. But anyway. I always get pat down. Really? Like I'm, I have a 100% record. You're kidding. I am one for one. I'm not one for one. I'm like eight for eight. My last eight times going. Look, I never do not get pat down. <laughs> I feel uncomfortable with this. Yeah. Well, all I'm saying is, like, I never have a reason to get bad. They never find anything. I never accidentally had my belt on. Like, like you never on a no-fly list? No, I, it's always pat down. Okay, you're good to go, right? It's, I don't know if there's something about my appearance, or maybe there's, like, a piece of metal in my body I'm just not aware of that sets off some alarm or sensor. Um, Most of us are pretty aware of pieces of metal that have been put in our body somewhere. Like, I, I had a, a screw put into my knee to replace a, a broken kneecap. I remembered it was there. That's yeah. not something I forgot. All I'm saying is 34 years is a long time to be on the earth. Things happen. That's true. You don't remember everything. Also true. There may be trace amounts of metal inside my body setting off airport security scanners. Sure. One lady, a Taiwanese, was... Um, a, a, had good, a, had good a, woman, a woman from Taiwan? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, woman from Taiwan. Okay. Uh, she she had very good reason to be pat down. So uh, security officials at the customs checkpoint on the island of Kinmen, beautiful place, check it out sometime, David. Uh, she was returning from a visit from China, returning to Taiwan, and um, and the officials they were conducting routine security checks and noticed that she was walking kind of funnily, uh, not with a funnel, like in a funny manner. Right, there are two different types of funnily, and I'm glad you specified. And uh, so, so they began the pat down, and they discovered, as one does, that she had 24 gerbils uh, strapped to her legs. What? Uh, that's 24. Not, not two, not four, but 24. Was it like taped directly on the gerbil into her leg? Because those poor gerbils, are they in little baggies? They're in. I'm not sure if they're little plastic baggies or they're like stockings, but they were like duct taped to her legs. She was wearing a skirt. Um, and what gave it away was the, uh, I guess the hitch in her giddy up. There you go, that'll, that'll get you. <laughs> and and uh, so unfortunately these 24 gerbils had to be euthanized. Oh. Apparently she, her, her explanation was that she had bought them for some friends um, in, in, in Taiwan and, and was just bringing them back because how else would you transport 24? I can't carry 24 gerbils in my arms. I think the most logical conclusion is that I would tape them to a body part or two. I mean, I don't know. How do you, how, how does one transport 24 gerbils, David? I don't know. I'll ask the cocaine smugglers we usually cover on this show. I bet they could come up with a more creative solution. <laughs> and that's exactly what the um, the the customs officials thought. They thought this Get was a trial run for future um, drug smuggling. Because what better way to imitate drugs than with gerbils? I'll, I'll say this, though. We've covered a lot of very um, unimaginative drug smugglers true in our short history on this podcast probably an inordinate amount of drug smugglers yeah that takes a large portion of our time and so i'm just i'm just glad you know whatever you do take pride in what you do right and so i'm glad they're doing some r d um and i hope they always get caught because we do not need drug smugglers we do not need drugs filling our streets 
but I'm just glad they're taking some pride in their work. All right. All right. Poor Definitely gerbils. Got... I feel bad for the gerbils. Like, how long were they under yeah. there? This is Subjectively Correct Sports, the only show in the known universe featuring David and Anthony talking about sports and other things like gerbil smuggling. <laughs> Sounds like a bad sport. All right. You can find yeah. us on iTunes, Google Play. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, give us five stars. Leave a review. Tell us what you like about the show. You can get in touch with us by emailing us at our email, subjectivelycorrect at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from our fan. Okay. The first thing we want to talk about today is kind of the only thing to talk about today, except for maybe like some... Australian Open tennis. Yeah, Serena Williams beat Holop. Did you see that? No. Didn't look like an easy match for her. Of course, Serena's trying to recover from that major injury. Of, of, of pushing a human outside of her body? Yeah, that's not easy to do, so I've been told. Yeah. I, I still don't know Gaping if it's that wound. hard. It can't be that hard. Oh, Oh. It can't be that hard. I grossed myself out with that. Okay. You grossed the world out with that. I was trying to ignore it and move on, but you just wanted to. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> why you're yeah. scraping my tongue because that joke came off of it. Yeah. Well, I don't know how we. No, we're not talking Australian Open. How do you recover from that? Okay. So it usually takes six weeks or so. Then you follow up with your um, OB and uh, they check, make sure everything. Sometimes there's. You know, stitches that have to be removed if it was particularly difficult, but uh, lots of hydration, sometimes bed rest. Any other questions? About giving birth? Yes. No, not really. Okay. I do have a question about Chiefs Patriots. Okay. My question is this. Why again? Why again? Uh, we were going to have something different this year. We are going to have something fun and entertaining. Something new. Something new. Young. Yeah. Mobile. Tell me about it. And we didn't get that. Mm. We got the same old stuff. But we The knew- same old stuff. This was laughably improbable and totally foreseeable. That's the thing. Like, everyone's talking about... Everyone in the Patriots organization is talking about, oh, uh, bet on us. Like, oh, everyone's got us as a as a... As an underdog here, no one believed in us. No one believed in us. Yeah, Tom Brady. I know we're supposed to suck, right? I think that's what that was the quote. Like, I think everyone that understands and, and covers and follows football know that you'd never say the Patriots suck. No, because they never do. Especially playing in that division. That division is awful. It's terrible. So get this: their point differential this year, the Patriots' point differential was plus one eleven. So they scored one hundred and eleven more points than they gave up. Correct. In their division, they were plus 110. <laughs> and plus one against everybody else. Yeah. That division is terrible, and they are so lucky to be in that division. With this revolving door of bad coaching decisions, <laughs> and if you have a bad coach and you want to get rid of them, guess what? Someone in the division is just going to pick them up. Adam Gase going to the Jets. By the way, Adam Gase's eyes, someone legitimately needs to check on that. Because that was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in my life. Like, did you see the taco video? Yeah, this is the the New York Whoa. Jets' new head coach at his introductory press conference. He's his he's doing he's doing this. He's like, yeah, for our like uh, just looking around for our podcast listeners. Imagine crazy eyes looking all over the room for something that might hit you in any second. He was, his eyes were playing a game of pong all by themselves. Yes, that's a great way to describe. It. Like he had a new VR headset that was invisible, <laughs> and he was playing pong with his eyes, with his invisible VR headset. Anyway, but okay, you say that about the Patriots. Yes, they have an easy division, but they still have to play the winner of of the other. I mean, they still have to to play who they play in the playoffs. And it's every, not a cakewalk. And they play them on the road, and they lost this year. 
No, but I'm, I'm saying in the playoffs. Regular season. Oh, playoffs. Okay, yeah. regular season. They weren't, yeah. they weren't good on the road in the regular season. No, they lost to like five non-playoff teams. Yes. It was a, it was a rough regular season as far as regular seasons for the Patriots go. Right, but as we all know, the regular season doesn't matter all that much. Mm-mm. Unless you're the Chargers. In which case, having a home game... It's all that matters. <laughs> yes. Having a home... Well, <laughs> having a home game against the Patriots would have changed a lot. Yeah. Anyway... Clearly, the regular season matters, but once you get there, if you're the Patriots, if you're any NFL team, really, who knows what's going to go your way or not yeah. go your way, right? We there's this there's a saying in sports they flip the switch, right? You hear this a lot about like basketball teams. They're down by like 20 points, and then all of a sudden they pull even and or go ahead, and the and the the analysts. Uh, that's commentating on the game says, oh, they flip the switch, right? Or, yeah, or they get to a point in the season, they're 10 games under 500, and then they roll off 15 straight. Oh, they flip the switch. Where is the switch, David? <laughs> where does Belichick keep the switch? Because you know he switch knows is? exactly when to flip it. You know where the switch is? The switch is in schedules. The switch is in injuries. The switch is in referees' calls yeah, or I think non-calls. This, I think the switch is, uh, you've, got, you've got the yellow flag in the right pocket and the switch in the left pocket. Oh, that's on you, refs. Mm. That was shade directed good, straight at you. A, not a good weekend for the refs. We're going to get into it. Yeah. A little scary. A little scary. But I don't know. You mentioned something that I thought was funny. You heard someone mention that Andy Reid coached another playoff dud. Yeah. And you had, some, you had some feelings about that. Uh, yeah, I guess my, my better instincts, I was listening to some sports radio this morning, and uh, and, and someone who's uh, made, made the claim that you know Andy Reid has had some playoff failures. He has coached the team to a Super Bowl. Um, but he said, is this just another playoff dud for Andy Reid? And, okay, they lost. And, yeah, they didn't come out They didn't come out of the gates firing. They, they, they went scoreless in the first half. That was yes, rough. That was rough. But the Patriots also didn't look great in the first half. I, both teams, it took a while for them to, to really uh, get in a rhythm. And, and Well, Tom Brady threw three interceptions. One was taken away by a penalty, but he threw two interceptions yeah. that game. The Chiefs had opportunities to score in the first half, but player execution was poor at times and, and in very critical times. Yeah. Um, but if you look at the game plan, like they did enough to win. The Chiefs right? did? The Chiefs yeah, did absolutely. enough to win. They absolutely did. I mean, they went to overtime, and if there was one one thing I guess I criticize Andy Reid for, it was, uh, or was this McVeigh? No, I mean, maybe, I maybe. Mean, which was the game where they they kicked a field goal instead of going for it on like the fourth? It was like fourth and two. I think there was some some play. Maybe it was early in the second half where they were down at the goal line and it was like a fourth and one or fourth and two or fourth and goal, whatever it was from the one or two, and they they kicked a field goal. Like that was like the only thing I really complained about. Uh, and the defense didn't show up, unfortunately. But I don't, I don't think this is a loss you pin on Andy Reid. There was some clock management issues I think are worth talking about. There, that's his M.O. kind of like yeah. if there's a critique to make of Andy Reid, it's that late game he's not great with clock management. Like he could have run the ball more and, and run more clock off instead of scoring really quickly. But, I mean. Yeah, they, they had the ball. Well, there was a particular, when they scored with about two minutes to go, they ran a play right before the two-minute warning. They could have at least, and I think it was first down at that point, they could have, I mean, I don't know that you want to necessarily give up a down, but they could have let the play clock expire or let, let the game clock go down to the two-minute warning 
run a play, run just like a, a run right up the middle. If you score, okay. If you don't, great. You get 40 more seconds off the clock. Right. Um, but no. they scored right before the two-minute warning. As soon as you, as soon as you saw that, you sent me a text. Too much time. Yeah. And I thought the same thing, which is crazy that no matter what happens, anytime we see that happening, no matter what's been happening earlier in the game, we always think that's too much time that you're giving Tom Brady. Yeah. There are very few players in sports where you feel that way. It's not like you go into the ninth inning and you, or you're only up two and their closer's coming in and you're thinking, oh man, they still have an inning. It's yeah. very rare where you're like, you're up five and there's like two minutes left and you're thinking, oh, that's too much time, except for maybe the Warriors. So there's a very small group of athletes or teams where you give them a little bit of time in a, in a clutch situation and you're still convinced that that team or that person is going to pull it out. Yeah. It, it's only reserved for really great teams, and Tom Brady is one of them. Yeah. It was, in this particular situation, you don't, you don't play for the tie, right? You, you, they have a chance to score, and if you score, you go you score a touchdown. If you score a touchdown, you go up, right? Yeah. Um, they were down by three at the time. And so it, it may be crazy – Advanced stance may not back me up here, but I almost would have rather let the play clock, let the game clock go down to the two-minute warning, take a knee, let the let, get the game clock down under a minute, and you probably still have two downs at that point. Run the ball, do play action, whatever you got to do on that third down, and if you have to, you kick a field goal and tie it, but you don't let Tom Brady uh, have a chance in regulation too they because because tom brady they could have gone down they ended up kicking a field goal they could have gone down and scored a touchdown and won, right right and so uh, and then yeah. that drive that patrick mahomes put together to that get a field awesome. goal it was, it was amazing so they went like what was it like they went 70 yards not 70 like they 40 went 40 seconds yeah yeah less than that yeah it was crazy with no timeouts or one timeout something like that yeah. I mean, it was just so one cool to watch out. and so when he when he drove them down there and they made that field goal i was like okay the legend of Patrick Mahomes begins growing now. Mm-hmm. And I was so excited for him, and I was so excited to see someone besides Tom Brady doing that clutch stuff, right? Yeah. And uh, then the coin flip happens. Yeah. And you think to yourself, well, it, I'm, glad the pay, they're glad, well I'm glad the Chiefs played but, so hard, but, but their season was over. Yeah. But, let, a but feeling. Let's, let's pause real quick before the, the coin toss, because there were like four things that happened before the coin toss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. There was... Okay, and this goes back to Andy Reid coaching his dad. No, he had did he did what he needed to do to get his team in a position to win, notwithstanding a few things. That were just, there were three really crucial instant replays, re- replay reviews that went the Patriots' way. Yeah, all of which were like fifty-fifty. Yeah, some saw it some way, some saw it. Tony Romo was like, "Well, I see it this yeah. way." Gene Steratore was like, "I see it the other way." The first one was the the muffed punt by Edelman. That the debate was whether or not Edelman touched the ball. I think it, it was pretty clear he didn't, though. I think he didn't touch it, but they they called it on the field that he did. Yeah, and there were some angles where you thought, "Oh, maybe he did." Others where it looks pretty clear he didn't. That one I'm okay with. Yeah, and it was actually negated anyways. Two plays later, when the Chiefs uh, intercepted Brady. Yep. Right. Um, and then... Did you hear Tony Romo say, ball don't lie? You didn't hear him yeah. say that? Oh, he yes, said, that's right. have a saying in basketball, no, no, no. ball don't lie. No, 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 he didn't say ball don't lie. Ball doesn't lie. He said, ball doesn't lie. Did he say, the ball doesn't lie? <laughs> Maybe. He said, you know what they say at Rutgers. <laughs> the ultimate, the country club version of ball don't lie, right? <laughs> I guess when you're, when you're on the country club playing golf, you don't say ball don't lie when it yeah. just like happens to roll in or something. But that just made me love Tony Romo more. Right, it was endearing. I, America has a love affair with Tony Romo right now, as they should. Yeah, he was ama- He was the MVP of that game. Absolutely, MVP of the league. Maybe. I mean, the way he was calling everything that happened, it was ridiculous. It would be like 
one of my favorite things he said was, now they should have come back to this earlier, basically calling out the Patriots. Yeah. And he was like, okay, so he's killing the play right now, which means he's going to switch it. It usually means there's a motion through and then a run to the right. That's and exactly happening. what happened. It's, it's happening like two seconds later. Yes. Right? It's like, I'm, I'm not totally unconvinced that he's not from the future, right? Like he's memorized, he's watched these games and he's come back and we need, we just need to, we need to get a photo of him like, from when he stopped playing to now, just see what like if, how much he's aged, right? Just just to see. I just I just want to cross it off the list. Make sure he's not from the future. I have an alternate idea here. Okay, maybe he really really understands football on a level that a normal person does not. I'm skeptical. You're skeptical. You're skeptical of that. How could he not ever win a playoff game in Dallas? He's if your theory is true that he's just really good at knowing football, okay? How could he not take the Dallas Cowboys in what the decade or so he was their quarterback past the first round of the playoffs? How is this possible that the football savant Tony Romo, America's sweetheart, how could he not will his team to victory? How could he not foresee? Oh, T.O. is going to be open right here. He's going to be man to man. Why? Why did this not happen? Football. Mm. Football's lame sometimes. It is. It's exciting, and then it sucks, and it rips your heart out. That was the best worst game, I think. I was, okay. They, no, they were I the made, worst best games. The worst best game. I made a horrible mistake last night. We're going to get back to the game. I made a horrible mistake last night. Yeah? I let my son mm-hmm. watch to the end. Oh. And not the mistake isn't that he was up later than he normally is. Sure. It's that he's now a Patriots fan. Oh. And there's nothing wrong with being a Patriots fan per se. My mom's a Patriots fan. We've got Boston ties in the family. Which oh, you really, do? Yeah, my grandma's from Boston. My mom lived in Boston for a while. I didn't know that. Um, which hurts my heart being an LA sports fan. Right, I was going to say. As, um, as you wear the Dodgers hat. Yeah. Um, and so he's now a Patriots fan. And that's that's okay, fine. Like That may work out well this year and next year. What I'm afraid is that... Brady's only got a couple years left. Yeah, we said that five years okay, ago. Okay, but really, okay, by the time he's 50, he's going to be done, right? I don't know. We think. He's the Nolan Ryan of football. <laughs> Belichick will retire at some point, okay? And when that happens, the Patriots are just going to be like any other team and maybe win a Super Bowl once every 15 years. No. They're, they're going to be in a garbage division still, though. They will, but but they'll be garbage as well. And But they'll be the best of all the garbage. And so my, my fear is that my son... Is now a fan of a team that will win the next couple years and then like never again, and he'll have that that anguish of of rooting for a team that just never wins. That's true sports fandom. Like I was a 49ers fan as a kid because they won. Uh, well, I followed the 49ers because my my grandpa, Grandpa Larry, who the only place we call him Grandpa Larry is here on the show, Grandpa Larry. Lived in San Francisco for a while, was a 49ers fan. I started following Joe Montana. When Steve Young became the quarterback there, uh, my dad went to BYU at the same time Steve Young did. I became a 49ers fan. They won a Super Bowl when I was very young, and I've been a 49ers fan ever since. It's been a sad couple of decades for 49ers fans, right? So I feel like he's kind of on the same path. I can help him through it. I'll be like his sports godfather. Yeah. Or you can because, you know, the Dodgers. He also said, but I'm from Dallas, so I also like the Cowboys. What? He likes the Patriots and the Cowboys. That's cool. It's just weird. There's a, one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite uh, TV or radio personalities. He's a huge Browns fan. 
because when he was really young, his grandma bought him Cleveland Browns plates for his birthday one time. (laughs) He's been a Browns fan ever since, unfortunately for him. Oh, Baker Mayfield's exciting, though. (laughs) Okay, so you have the the muffed punt, which didn't end up costing the Chiefs. Anything. On the final Patriots drive in regulation, the Patriots should have been stopped at least twice. Yeah. Once, there was an offsides call on D. Ford. Okay, he lined up offsides, true. On on that play, Tom Brady didn't know he was lined up offsides. I don't think they threw the flag right away. If no, they, they did. didn't. Yeah, and he threw an interception. The interception was negated by a late flag for the offsides. And what normally is supposed to happen when you have an offsides, as soon as the ball is snapped and the line just sees that, the flag goes up in the air. Aaron Rodgers does it all the time where he sees someone offsides, they throw the flag right away, he throws the ball deep because it's basically a free play. But none of that was going on here. It was so late. And honestly, I feel like in a lot of late-game situations, the refs keep the flag or the whistle in their pocket. You've heard that A little bit more discretion, yeah. Yeah, where they're like, did that really affect the play? Mm -hmm. And then when they saw that it was an interception and and D. Ford didn't rush rush the passer any better than he normally does or would have, he didn't get any advantage. He didn't gain any advantage from that. But it cost the Chiefs the game. Yeah, well, the, 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 it would have sealed the victory for sure. Yeah. Right. Um, and then later on in the drive, uh, Hogan makes a, a catch where the ball is completely separated from his body. And then the ball, and his, he's kind of cradling it as he hits the ground. The ball definitely hits the ground. It was ruled a catch on the field, and they didn't overturn it. The play stood, which the means they didn't, they didn't have... Uh, evidence, enough, didn't have enough evidence to reverse the call. And, you know, I watched the replay like everyone else. In my mind, based on how they've called these things over the last few years, it was not a catch. I think the ground aided in his control of the ball. Uh, but it went the Patriots' way, like many calls seem to, to go late in the game. Um, and I'm not a Patriots hater. I, I was excited for the Chiefs. I wanted the Chiefs to win. Um, but I tried to be objective in like how I saw this game being refed. Right, and like I told, I told your wife we were watching the the Saints New Orleans game, and she said, "Who are you rooting for?" And I said, "Football." Like I just mm-hmm. want to see good football. Yeah, right. And that's how I felt with Chiefs Patriots too, for okay. the most part. So, so you have so you have these handful of things that that affect the outcome in the first four quarters, right? Yeah. But then you end up tied. Awesome finish. Uh, both teams played amazingly well offensively. Uh, in the fourth quarter, tons of points scored. He head into the overtime, and who gets the ball is decided by, of course, a coin flip. Yep. A coin flip to see who goes to the Super Bowl. And unlike every other major sport, in football, if you score a touchdown on the first possession, you win. The other team doesn't get a chance to match your score. It's not baseball, a top of the inning, bottom of the inning. It's not basketball, a five minutes back and forth. It's not like college football even, where you can match the score. Yeah. Um, and, and the common retort to this is, well, defense matters too. And if you've played, you've played for an hour already, and if you can't stop them one time, you deserve to lose. I would generally agree with that, except that the league is so geared to benefit and advantage the offensive side of the ball that it is so much harder especially late in the game when the defenses are so tired it's so hard to stop 
stop a team. Um, I mean, yeah. and, and you you just had the feeling, just like you had in the Super Bowl against the Falcons when the the, the Patriots got the uh, they won the, the the coin flip to go into overtime and they marched down and scored. You just knew the page whoever got the coin flip was going to score. And probably score a touchdown. Well, the Falcons hadn't scored the entire second half, though, so maybe they wouldn't have. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. But at least in this game, you had the feeling whoever won the coin flip was going to win the game. Matt and, Ryan is a farce. And But in that game, Matt Ryan was the MVP. Patrick Mahomes, he's, I think, going to be the MVP. The NFL has a system in place where the MVP doesn't have a chance to win the game at the end because of luck. Because of a coin flip. Is it that much harder? Is the reason to not do it because, well, if we let them do it, that's just more football, more time in the field, more prone to injury? I mean, is an extra possession that more that much more detrimental to an NFL player? I don't know what the reason is, and I don't know if the NFL has a stated reason as to why that's the rule. Well, I'm going to tell you right now. I don't. If Patrick Mahomes had a ruptured spleen, he would have wanted one more chance to go down the field and score. Yeah. I don't think the harm to the body or anything, one more possession isn't going to... They're going to want to go down and score. Maybe they change it in the playoffs to where you have a chance to match it, and that way in the regular season you don't have extra plays on, on these hurt bodies. But maybe in the playoffs you do the back-and-forth kind of thing where they yeah. do it in college, right? I mean, that would make more sense to me when these games matter so much. But then people would say, well, the games in the regular season matter so much too. Yeah. So I don't know. But I, I think the, the general consensus in, in the sports fan right now and the football fan right now is you got to change the overtime because for two year for, for two major games now the patriots happened to get the coin flip at the end and they were able to win yeah. which is a bummer for for Matt Ryan and for Patrick Mahomes yeah you ask the casual nfl fan or you you tell the casual nfl fan or the non nfl fan the overtime rules and 9 times out of 10 they'll say well that's not fair yeah right and if and if the fan base is saying well that's not fair like, we should really take a hard look at, at changing these rules, especially for the games that matter most. Yeah, good luck with that, though. Good luck having the NFL change anything. Yeah. Um, is Tom Brady still good? Is he still elite? He actually didn't have a great game. No, he threw he two and a half interceptions. 30, he was 30 for 46. 348 yards, which is that's fine. But compiler, right? Yeah. He had to do it. He, had, he needed 46 throws to do it. One touchdown. Um to two slash three interceptions because one was negated by the offsides. Um, but Brady's considered the GOAT for one reason. No, I mean, he's had a lot of really good offensive stats during the regular season as well, but... but go ahead. Rings! For rings and for late game performance. He, he, he's clutch, as the kids say. Right? Do the kids say that? I don't know. I don't know what kids say. Neither do I. Um... On the final, what was it? Final three scoring drives, he went 11 for 16. That's pretty good. 147 yards. Also good. He was 5 for 5 on third down conversions. That is the best. Yeah. That, that and, is the most important stat. And if you, go, if you go and watch, look, like Google Romo highlights, Tony Romo highlights, um, you'll, you'll see four or five of these 5 for 5 third down conversions where Romo calls out ahead of time. And it's like, it's not a third and one. These are third and long, third and eight, nine, ten. And, um, yeah, he's putting the ball exactly where it needs to be, and his receivers are making plays. And, you know, when, when you talk about greatness, it's capitalizing on the opportunity, right? Aaron Rodgers may have the greatest arm talent in the NFL, um, 
but G- Brady is considered the greatest because he's so often in a position to win and so often capitalizes on that position. And that's due to me- much more than him, his yeah. ability. Uh, it's the coaching, it's the players around him, it's everyone buying into the system, and it's him executing um, almost flawlessly in these types of situations. All right, time for, uh, we've had a little bit of a break from the hottest minute of the podcast. I think this is the first time in, in 2019, right? This, yes, this is the first Dave's Hot Take Minute in 2019. You know what that means? David's Nothing. feeling hot, hot, hot. He's feeling hot, hot, hot. It's David's Hot Take Minute. Hold up, I misspelled the word. I want to say misspell. I think it was a typo, which is absolutely different. I know how to spell that word. It was just mistyped. Was it the? It's a typo. Huh? That was and. Oh. Can I go now? (laughs) Yeah, please. For one year. Go ahead and go. For one year, just one year, I want the Patriots to miss the playoffs. I would be concerned for the safety of Boston, though. Know us how I didn't say the people of Boston. I think the city itself might be in danger, like fall into the sea levels of danger. It would be like a post-apocalyptic novel. And could you imagine Boston Sports Radio and television if they had the Saints no-call situation go against them? I don't even want to think about it. Oh, man. I'm thinking about it. I'm going to have nightmares for a month. I'm going to try to distract myself from that horrorscape by talking about something pleasant. Tony Romo is so fun to watch call a game. So fun. The craziest part of all of that to me is if he can predict all of this stuff, why can't the Patriots' opponents? Which leads me to wonder if they can predict that stuff, but there just isn't any way to effectively stop it. Which leads me to wonder why they don't just do that stuff, why don't the Patriots do that stuff, that was working at the end of the game for the whole game. Which leads me also to think that none of us watching and most people who are paid millions of dollars a year to understand what they are watching don't really understand what we're watching. I think I agree. Football is crazy. I feel like Luck is the MVP of football this year. Andrew? Not Andrew Luck. Mm -hmm. But the concept of things going right for you at just the right time without you doing anything to earn it. Why are old guys with chains from 25 yards away from the ball determining whether or not a team gets a first down? Don't we have lasers and sensors and stuff? When is the NFL going to get some lasers and sensors? I'm sure tons of tech companies would line up to be the official laser and sensor sponsor of the NFL. Companies might even do it for free for the publicity. Anthony? Yeah. What's a catch? Todd Gurley had to use an exercise bike to stay loose during the NFC Championship game. He might be rested and healthy for the Super Bowl, if they even want to use him. I wanted Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl so bad. Oh, does anyone remember Kareem Hunt? Kareem Hunt? LeBron James and Steph Curry are the most valuable players in basketball. When they are out, everything changes in a very bad way for their teams. You know, love him or hate him, Tom Brady might become the greatest winner of all time with another Super Bowl victory this year. He's doing it in a tougher sport and in a tougher era than Michael Jordan ever did. Some of the cast of the movie The Mighty Ducks was at an Anaheim Ducks game yesterday. Anaheim lost. Winning in real life is hard. Okay, so this was Anthony's idea for ending the hot take minute. Let's give it a try. Get some! I don't love it. <laughs> uh, so I, I go up to your point about the... Um, the uh, Where was it? Lasers and sensors? No, Patriots going up. Which part? Um, 
This is okay. This is great. This is a great podcast. Anthony's yeah. looking at my laptop. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, that being able to predict it. Okay, so I remember you know playing football growing up that coaches would always say we should be able to tell the team, the other team, what play we're running, and we should execute it so well that it doesn't matter that they know what we're running that we'll still have a positive play, right? We'll still be able to do what we want to do. We're going to run with this guy in this hole, and mm-hmm. we're still going to get it because we're bigger and tougher and we're men. Right? That was the attitude, right? Yeah, that was the attitude. Also, Tony Romo is a football savant. I'm coming around to that. He's probably not a cyborg from the future. But um, are his talents wasted in the booth? Now, he's, he's doing a phenomenal job there. He's so fun, yeah. Would he be... Would he... I mean, I think... I think any team would hire him as an assistant coach, possibly a head coach. But I think, could you imagine him up above as an offensive coordinator or even defensive coordinator? If he knows what the other team's offense is doing, even though he never played defense or maybe hasn't since like high school, um, I think he could call out to the defense and say, hey, you know, here's what they're going to do. But again, if you can run your play to perfection, how much does it matter if the other team knows what you're doing or not? Apparently, the whole stadium can know that they're going to go to Broncop at the top in a good matchup, and it doesn't matter because he's Frankenstein, yeah. who mated with a polar bear and was trained to catch footballs. Huh. Is that a diss on his parents? No, no, I'm sure his parents are lovely. I know yeah. nothing about them. Don't either. I absolutely, I know nothing about them other than they made this monster football player guy. That's all I know about them. Don't try to turn this into a me versus the Gronkowski's thing. <laughs> um, all right, so... I would win that fight. That was one half of a very exciting championship weekend of football. Yeah. Um, the Saints and Rams also had a super exciting game. It was. It wasn't as, as much back and forth at the end, but there was some, and it came to overtime as well. Um, and we're not going to break down this game as much as we did the last one, but... The, what we do want to talk about is perhaps the biggest no-call in uh, conference championship history. Maybe in NFL playoffs history. That was one of the Maybe. most egregious misses I've ever seen. So so with if you haven't seen the play, with the game tied 20-20, fourth quarter, a minute 48 to play, Saints with the ball at the Rams' 13-yard line. It's a third and 10. Breeze throws the ball to Tommy Lee Lewis. And Lewis, about a half second before the ball would get there, is. That's generous. <laughs> okay. With. <laughs> I'm sorry, the ball was probably in the air for like a whole 0.75 seconds, but okay. it, it did seem like it was a lot sooner than that. I mean, there was I did, a. There I'm was sorry, a, I did that for the joke. There was a definite beat, right? I mean, like, there was. It wasn't It wasn't bang bang. No, it was not. Okay. Uh, he was hit by uh, Nickel Roby Coleman. I assume that's how you pronounce his name. Um, Those are great names. <laughs> I know Tommy, Tommy Lee Lewis, Nickel Roby Coleman. I'm down with those names. Okay, I like the going. triple name. Yeah. Um, hits him well before the ball gets there. Okay, it, it, and it, if he wouldn't have hit him, they would have got the first down. They would have been able to milk the clock to zero, kick a field goal to win, or you know punch it in the end zone. Um, also, if he just would have turned and looked at the ball. It could have been a pick six the other way because he was clearly early enough on the play to hit them, hit, yeah. hit him before the ball got there. If he just would have turned and looked at the ball. That's true. And so what everyone watching the game, and oh, probably everyone except one or two very important people, namely the refs, Ooh. in the building saw was pass interference. The defender makes contact, tackles the receiver, 
before the ball gets there. And there is no flag on the play. And as a fan watching, and I'm sure the Saints coaching staff is wondering, how does this happen? How can this happen? There's a referee right there, right? There's a referee on the sideline that's looking exactly for this. How does this happen? I'm baffled. I have no idea. And there, are, there is no answer. And I was surprised when Sean Payton came out for his press conference and he said, I just got off the phone with the league. <laughs> How often does a coach, as soon as the game is over, call the league office? I bet that happens never. But I know that someone answered that phone. It was like, hello, NFL headquarters. This is Becky speaking. And it's like, Becky, this is Sean Payton. Let me put you through to, to Mr. Goodell. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that, that call went straight through. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just can't imagine that conversation. Well, Payton said that Either either in that phone conversation, I think it was maybe one of the refs after the game, talked to him and apologized and said, yes, we missed the call. That's not but, a good But look. not only did we miss that call, there was a second foul on the play. It was helmet to helmet. So if it wasn't P.I., it was helmet to helmet. Either way, it's a first down on the goal line. Let me help you feel better, Sean. You're right. We messed up. <laughs> but if it makes you feel any better, we didn't just mess up once. We messed up twice. Enjoy your summer. In fact, we probably missed 10 more calls that would have benefited your team throughout the game. I mean, they absolutely did. Both ways. Yeah. Both ways. There were calls missed both ways. Every, I mean, Yeah, and, you, and the Rams fans were out on Twitter afterwards pointing oh, I out bet they were. The, the, the four or five egregious uh, non-calls. There was a face mask on Goff at the goal line where the Rams ended up settling for a field goal that would have put them, you know, first, first and goal at the one. Um, and that, you know could have changed the game as well. So, yes, there are missed calls both ways, but in that critical situation, that's just a call you have to make. You can't miss it because it it well it wasn't it, it wasn't like the the D Ford offsides thing where it had no effect on the play. Right. This no, 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 absolutely that is the play. destroyed the play. It was the play on the ball, right? Yeah. And it it almost delegitimizes the game. Right when that's the feeling. At least that's yeah. The fans. I know the Saints feel that way. I know many of the Saints players woke up this morning feeling like they were robbed of a chance to play in that game. Everything that happened before that play and everything that happened after that play did not matter because of what happened in that play. And when you have professional sports leagues partnering with Las Vegas sports books, casinos, online betting establishments, and you're are you trying to You're, say this nicely? I'm trying to say this nicely. Why? <laughs> when you when you have when you're commingling betting with your league and your product is subject to judgment made by humans and the significant human error involvement that can swing millions of dollars or billions of dollars one way or another, you're opening yourself up for lawsuits you're opening yourself up for severe damages because if you can not to mention the referee's kneecaps are now in danger yeah because this is no longer a fair bet right if any bet could be fair right once you get into allegations of fixing games that relationship is over and and the league is potentially in jeopardy. I mean, it's a, it's a it's a much bigger deal than people than just the Saints not being able to go to the Super Bowl. There are a few things that you do not mess with. Unfortunately, I've dealt in industries where I've messed with all three of these things. You don't mess with people's health care, you don't mess with people's food, and you don't mess with people's money. Yeah. You just don't do it. And when very wealthy, very powerful people all of a sudden have millions of dollars taken away from them mm-hmm. because your league can't take care of its crap, 
Like Anthony said, yeah. that's when trouble starts. Well, and, and that's the thing. It's like it's one thing if if the Rams, you know, defended the ball well, or it was like 50-50, right? But when it's blatant, it just invites the criticism. Does the league have a stake in who wins this game? No, I have a question. This play reminded me of that Boston Red Sox play where the referee called the guy safe when he was clearly out mm. by a mile. So we don't usually think of this angle, but I've been thinking about it a lot. These referees are probably in danger for their lives because some crazy fan wants to oh, do sure. something. I'm sure they're receiving death threats. I mean, crazy people on Twitter and social media will find the person, find their address and their post phone it. number and post it, yeah. which is not cool and unsafe. So if you're one of those people, if, if one of our if our listener is doing that, please stop, listener. But these people, these referees, are put in terrible positions every day where they cannot do anything right. Yeah. And then when they do something like this that is clearly egregiously wrong, and they're told that, they, they tell the, the head coach about it after the game, I mean, that's what... I can't imagine being in that position. They must be scared for their lives every day, especially when they were still in New Orleans. Right. So, okay. It happened. What do do you do about it? Right? There's... You can't do anything about it, right? There are actually some people calling for a redo, which is allowable. It is? In the NFL rulebook. Okay? Let me... Can I read the NFL rulebook? Please. (laughs) Okay. Verbatim. Uh, Don't summarize. Don't paraphrase. Word for word... Give me the NFL rulebook, please. Okay. Rule 17, Section 2, Article 1 of the NFL rulebook states... Off to a good start. The commissioner Mm -hmm. has the sole authority to investigate and take appropriate disciplinary and or corrective measures... Oh, and or. If any club action, Mm -hmm. non-participant... Oh. Non-participant interference... Oh, okay. ...or calamity... (gasps) A calamity. ...occurs in an NFL game... Good book. ...which the commissioner deems so extraordinarily unfair... Interesting. ...or outside the accepted tactics encountered in professional football... Including refereeing? ...that such action has a major effect on the result of the game. That majorly affected the result of the game. So this is a pretty Mm. vague provision in the rulebook. Right. If I'm arguing for the Saints, I can say this was a calamity that was <laughs> extraordinarily unfair. Right. Well, and also, I don't like that it says and take investigate and take appropriate disciplinary and or corrective measures. I don't like that because it doesn't say what you can do. And so what you run into is this little rule that is hardly ever seen or looked at. And now Roger Cadell can basically set a precedent Yeah. where he's like, you know what I'm going to do? Because it was, whatever he wants to say, because it was in with two minutes, because it clearly affected the outcome of the game, because we can all assume that the Rams would have scored on the next play or two, or even on that play, or the next play because it was a foul, that I'm going to award the Saints a win, or I'm going to replay the fourth quarter, or whatever he decides to do is going to set a precedent. And he, I I mean, that's just something I don't think he's going to mess with. You do not want to go down. They call that a slippery slope. Yeah. And so... My hunch is that he will not do anything here. Not my... <laughs> my guess... I'm going to have to cut that out of the podcast because I, check, I checked his back for a hunt. <laughs> <laughs> it's very common, David. Millions of people have it. Um, my, it's not a joke, Jim. <laughs> my guess is that Goodell will do nothing. Yeah. Because if he does something here, he's going to have to do something next time this yep. happens. And, and it's, it's going, going to happen. happen. It's going to happen in the preseason. Jeez. It's going to happen in the regular season. I'm not going to stop talking. <laughs> it's going to happen next postseason. It's going to keep happening. Yeah. Because the system we have isn't the best for refereeing violent football. Mm-mm. It's not. And I want, I want to talk about what we can do about refereeing in a second. But this should never have happened. This scenario should never have occurred. Nope. 
The Saints had the ball at the 13-yard line. Okay. First and 10. Yeah. With uh, about two minutes to go. Sure. They could have run the ball three times. Yeah. Kicked a field goal sure. to go up 23-20. to 20, mm-hmm. And there would have been roughly 40 seconds on the clock. Now, you give the other team an, an opportunity to, to tie or win. With a field goal. With a field goal. But playing the odds, I like my chances at home. Yeah. Of going up by three with 40 seconds with a young quarterback. Who hasn't been playing that great. He didn't have a great game. The Rams offense didn't look like the Rams offense we were used to seeing in the regular season. That's right. Um, and so, yeah, the, like the worst sequence of events happened. We were talking about this when it was happening. First down, incomplete pass, right? So the clock doesn't move. Yep. Right. Second down, I think maybe they ran it and Rams called a timeout. Because mm-hmm. they had one timeout, didn't they? Yeah, something like that. And then your third down, what should have been pass interference or helmet to helmet, um, wasn't called. And so it goes down as another incomplete pass. So practically no time comes off the clock. Um, and what do they do? They settle for a field goal. And the, the Rams now all of a sudden have a minute and a half to go down the field. They do. They kick, um, what was it, 40-something, 56-yarder, whatever it was. 57-yarder. 57-yarder. Tie it up, send it to overtime. Oh, no, no, the winner was a 57-yarder. Okay, well, it was a long field goal regardless. Uh, tie it up, go into overtime, win the game. Uh, so maybe a little bit on Peyton for for not calling just three straight runs. But how great for him to be able to deflect responsibility oh, yeah. over to the referees. That's right. You know what I mean? So, yeah. yes, I made, I made egregious errors that Andy Reid would have been torn apart for. If he did them, but those referees, am I right? Yeah. And and in th- this call, I I don't want to overstate, but but it was so bad that the the players, the Rams players, even knew how bad it was. Todd Gurley went on social media after the game and posted a picture or liked a picture. I can't remember. I think he maybe just liked a picture of him trading. So it's common when two athletes after a game on opposing teams they'll trade jerseys, right? Like show of respect, right? There's a picture of him trading jerseys with a ref. Ref holding up I a Todd that. Gurley jersey. I saw that. Him holding up the stripes. <laughs> Him holding up the stripes, the referee uniform. And, uh, I mean, it, it, that play, I mean, it, it felt like the refs were pulling for the Rams, right? A little bit. Um, a little bit. But here's the thing. I'm not mad at the refs. No? No. I feel like we're asking them to fight a fire with buckets of water. Okay? When we have a perfectly functioning engine and fire hydrant and high-capacity hose... Standing by, and we're just giving them buckets of water. Okay, we have so much technology. You talked about lasers and sensors. Lasers and sensors, baby. Now I'm not all saying day. I'm not saying remove all the refs and just have one eye in the sky that makes a call that goes up <laughs> on the scoreboard. I think having some refs on the field is still important, and there are some things they can call faster that are obvious. Especially um, like you, you, there are certain things you can hear yeah. going on that a robot may not yeah. be able to identify. But it's not like the NFL over its history hasn't made changes to how the game's officiated. I just oh. decided to look back at the history of officiating in the NFL. Ooh, I bet that was a fun dive. It was. So like starting in the 40s is when they went to the three. We're starting in the 40s? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I noticed a pattern. Did you? Yes. Every 15 to 20 years, there's a significant referee, umpiring, officiating change. Like in all the sports or specifically the NFL? Specifically the NFL. Okay. 15 to 20 years. All right. It started in the 40s. You had uh, three, you had the referee and umpire, and they called them a a 
line judge or something like that, right? About 15 years later, they added another. And 15 years later, they added another. 15 years later, they added another. Okay? So now they, they have their full complement of like six, six referees on the field. In the late 80s, they added uh, instant replay. Sorry. Yes. Instant replay? In the 80s? Yes. In the late 80s, they added instant replay. Uh, it, it went away for a brief time in the 90s because the coaches were just like upset with it because they kept getting instant replay wrong, right? Oh, yeah. But it came back. Um, and then late 80s. And then late 90s, I think it was like 86 to 99, instant replay instituted in 86. In 99, they instituted the coach's challenge. Okay. So it wasn't the referees deciding whether or not to review something. That's right. when the coaches could challenge a player. Uh-huh. And that was – so those were the last two major officiating changes. And, ha- and that was – so it's been, what, 19 years since the latest one. Well, so, 1999 plus 20 would be 2019, just saying. Yeah, okay, but when they introduced it in 1999, okay, at the whatever. beginning of the 99 season. Gotcha, okay. Either way, to be 15 to 20 years, David, that okay. was the range. So you're saying they're due for a uh, So I'm change. saying, now I don't think they're, there's nothing in their like, plan that says every 15 to 20 years we evaluate officiating, right. but, 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 but it's almost like every new generation of fans like, hey, how come the referees are so bad, <laughs> right? Or every something. new generation of head coaches is like, yeah, let's implement that. So it's like, it's more to placate or to, to solve just, the problems that have come up over the last 15 years. Yeah, or you, and you're finally like getting rid of the old guard of the previous generation who doesn't want to change anything, getting new blood in the sport. And you can't tell me Sean McVay wouldn't, say, wouldn't be in favor of more replay, right? Of more reviewable plays, right? And I think that's the next iteration is I don't think we're, we're yet to the point where there's two referees on the field and all they do is like spot the ball, right? And then computers and, and the computers and like lasers saying, here's, and what, here's what the foul was. I think the next iteration of, of officiating, and I hope it happens soon, is that you open up what's reviewable. Because pass interference, not reviewable, right? And that clearly would have saved a season there. And also, why are we penalizing head coaches for getting the review wrong? Like, if, if it's... If it's so debatable that the call stands, that shouldn't... Oh, I see what you're saying. So right? if the call is overturned because it's clear, or if the call is confirmed, it's like, no, no, we got it right on the field, now you lose a timeout. But yeah. if the play, if, if the call stands, you keep your timeout. If your challenge is egregious, right? Right. Yeah, so it was clear, it was a drop pass, you challenge it, it's still clearly a drop pass, confirmed, you lose that challenge, okay? But if the call stands, that means that there was a there was not enough evidence yes. to confirm. So why are we penalizing that coach and that team? Why is that costing them a timeout and costing them a challenge? It just, it, it, it yeah. Uh, so so it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me. Right? And I think they could do just some slight tweaking of the rules. Figure out which because they say, well, that's a judgment play. What's not a judgment? Everything's a judgment. In, in, are the feet bounds in, in real time? That's a judgment, right? Yes, it is because you can't. It's all moving too fast. In super slow motion, we can't tell all the time. So how no. can these referees make these decisions in real time? Mm-hmm. Like, go back and watch these questionable plays in real time, with the exception of the Rams' pass interference play. Most of these plays are super hard to look at with multiple viewings in real time. Yeah. So just remember, these guys are trying to do it in real time. They need some help, maybe with some sensors and some lasers. Very excited. We're unveiling a new segment, which is going to lead us into the last portion of our show here. This is called Objectively Correct. So, of course, we are subjectively correct sports. The idea there is, and we're going, you know, 
deep inside here. Subjectively correct, meaning that you're correct, but it's subjective, right? So we got sports opinions, we got stuff we're saying, but it's all subjective, right? Well, this is objectively correct, where we're just giving you stats, all right? This is just information we're giving you. You can't dispute this one way or another. These are factual things that have happened or statistics or numbers or whatever that we think are interesting, intriguing, or fun or whatever, and it's called objectively correct. <laughs> oh, is that like the like the NFL primetime? Yes. Like, then it comes to Ed Warner, yeah. ESPN. All right. Take, right. it, take it away. All right, first stat. Number one, fathers and sons struck out by Nolan Ryan. Uh-oh. Sandy Alomar Jr. and Sr., Bobby and Barry Bonds, Tito and Terry Francona, Ken Griffey Jr. and Sr., Hal and Brian McRae, Tony and Eduardo Perez, Ducky and Dick Schofield, and Mari and Bump Wills. Dang. First of all, kudos to those father and son duos, man. All right, good for them. But Nolan Ryan struck them all out. What's yours first? Sunday was the first time in NFL history that both conference championship games went into overtime in the same postseason. Patrick Mahomes was six years old when Tom Brady made his first NFL start. Wow. Over the last 16 years, only four quarterbacks have represented the AFC in the Super Bowl. Can you name those four? Flacco. <laughs> yep. Roethlisberger. Yep. Manning. Yep. Brady. That's right. Boom. Good job, Flacco. You got one. Flacco. In 2017, Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers tied for the best depth-adjusted accuracy with 64.8%. That's kind of like true shooting percentage, yeah. which takes into account the depth of the throw. The okay. same way that so a the difficulty of the throw. Yes. This season, Marcus Mariota's depth-adjusted accuracy was above 67%. Wow. Imagine if he played more than half the season. Word. Tom Brady has the most playoff-winning drives in the fourth quarter or overtime in the Super Bowl era with 12. The next closest is John Elway with six. Eli has five, and Joe Montana has five. He's doubling them up. He's doubling them up. Okay, so my fourth one was the one you said about uh, playoff games. Ah. Yesterday was the first time two NFL playoff games, period, went to overtime in the same day. Not just the conference championships. But the first time two postseason NFL... or yes, okay. Oh, did I not say that? Yes, two play NFL playoff, oh, playoff games. Oh, playoff. Okay. So yeah, no, so not only in the conference championships, but just any two playoff games. Period went wow. to overtime in the same in the same day. Nice. James Harden, he's on a tear lately. He scored or assisted on fifty points in nineteen straight games. That's the longest streak in NBA history. So whether by assist or scoring the basketball, he's been involved in at least fifty points, nineteen straight games. That's incredible. I'm James Harden's stat again. James Harden scored 57 or more points in consecutive games. In those two games, exactly zero of his points came off assists. <laughs> so assists to him. So he created all of it. He wasn't assisted on any of his 57 plus points for two straight games. Wow. Okay. Right. I got the one to finish it off. No, no, I got last one. Oh, you got okay. I got okay. one. Greg Popovich won his 520th road game on the 18th. Uh, tying Pat Riley for the most by a head coach in NBA history. The Spurs have the 76ers and Pelicans on the road this week where he has a chance to break the all-time record. If not, he's got like an eight-game road trip in February that I'm sure he'll do it. All right. How about that, Pop? All right. The one to close it out. Jazz forward Joe Ingles is averaging 3.9 rebounds a game this year. How about that? That's the hard-hitting stats that I love. All right, so let's, we, we kind of wrapped up. We, that's funny. We didn't uh, we didn't really sync up at all on these stats, and we started off with football and then transitioned to basketball. And we ended with James Harden. 
Andrew James Harden and, and, Pop, yeah. and Joe Ingles. Uh, uh, 3.9 rebounds a game for Joe Ingles. Yeah. Um, all right. So so I guess the NBA is a good place to, to get to next. Um, and I if we could just tie a bow on this officiating discussion that we had, um, I think the same thing, some of the same things need to happen in the NBA. Where there's less human error components. Yeah. And- How many times in a game... Do you see a ball go off a player and the referees say, no, uh, you know, possession the other team? Right? And what's always interesting to me is like early in the third quarter or like in the in the first quarter, no one's going to argue it too much. They're not going to go yeah. to the replay. But it only happens late in the game. Yeah. And there and there is replay, what, in the final two minutes? Yeah, something. Okay. But you can score just as many points over the other 46 minutes, right? Like those other 46 minutes matter just as much. Do they though? Judge based off of player effort. Okay, but all I'm, all I'm, I'm saying, of course playing devil's advocate, right? I mean, a minute is a minute, whether it's at the last minute or you know, there's different strategy and the game takes on a different um, style in the last few minutes. And definitely for more sure. urgency. There's more urgency, but the lack of consistency. Like why? Why in the last two minutes? Other than this sense of urgency, why are we reviewing plays then? Like, why why shouldn't the desire to be, let's get every call right, right? And I, I agree, kind of like calling balls and strikes, you probably don't want to review every shooting foul. Oh, no. Okay. Um, but simple things like, did it go out on this person or not? You can tell, in a replay, you can tell in two seconds who it went, everyone at home knows, but, but the, offic- the officials have no power to review it. You know what would change all of this? A sensor in the ball. Lasers. I mean, honestly, yeah. there are sensors in balls right now that can that can measure speed, velocity, trajectory, all of that stuff. And it wouldn't be that hard for arenas to put this stuff in the basketball and you can see, did the ball change its spin? And that's how you can tell if a ball was touched by a player or not. Did the spin, was the spin altered at the point yeah. of contact or non-contact? Or just like or a pressure sensor, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. When, what was the last point of pressure yes right? did it happen when the ball was thrown or did it happen yeah and so there are lots of ways with technology to solve a lot of these problems i don't know why we're not going to them mm-hmm. and so just opening up a lot let the let the officials officiate right i feel like we're we're tying their hands behind their back a little bit going back to the firefighter analogy no. we're, let, we're having them put out fires with water buckets let's actually let them use the technology that's available to them if it slows down the game a little bit like as a fan do I care more about a correct outcome or a speedy outcome? If you're a fan of a team, you want the correct outcome. Yeah. You want the game decided the right way in an honest way. If you're just a general fan, you probably, you're probably you more worried about pace of play. And you know what? The league should love this because what are you going to do as they're reviewing? In-game ad. They, and they've... Interesting innovation this year that they've never done before is there's game action going on on the screen over here, and then you have an ad going on on the other side of the screen, yeah. right? So up here, like, Anthony's face would be, like, the referees looking at the monitor or, like, the players on a bicycle trying to stay warm if you're Todd Gurley. Then over here, you have progressive, whatever. In, in an era where we have, like, 80-inch TVs in your family room is becoming the norm, like, there's a lot of screen real estate to put an ad in the corner as things are happening. Right. Okay? We don't need to go to break every time there's a timeout, every time there's a review. Like, you can keep us in the game and, and not have it feel so chopped up. Absolutely. Like, just think about it, right? I mean, I don't know. It's interesting how it's things that make perfect sense to every fan out there, but the league is behind. Yeah. All right. So you wanted to end the show with a game that you invented, right? <laughs> I don't know. It's a, it's a guessing game. I don't know if I invented the concept of guessing. 
If that's what you're getting at. I guess not. <laughs> anyway, yeah. what do you got? What do you so, got for so, so uh watching watching the playoffs this weekend, uh the AFC championship trophy is the Lamar Hunt trophy. Obviously. The NFC championship trophy is the George Hallis trophy. Of course. So it got me thinking, you know, I don't know much about Lamar Hunt. I know he was a, a influential owner of the Chiefs and uh, really important to the merger of the uh, AFL-NFL. And um, don't know much about George Hallis, but I thought, you know, interesting names for trophies. They were named after these individuals. So I, I looked up other major professional sports and tournaments and what the names of those trophies were. Okay. Some are like your standard American sports. Sure. Some are not. Uh-oh. And so I've got a list of 12. Mm. I'm putting the over under at five for you. Thanks. If it's you can associate the correct sport or tournament. Just a sport. Okay. With with the trophy. Okay. It's going to start off a little easier and then get progressively harder. All right. Now, do, do are any of these, are any of these individual awards? Um, to the extent... The sport is individual, yes. Gotcha. Okay, so none of these are like MVPs none of or anything these, like that. Let me let me scan. There's no like Bill Bill Russell. None of these stuff. none of these are MVP or Silver Slugger or anything like okay. that. All right, do it. Okay, do it. Let's, do it. let's do this. Let's do this. So I just want you to tell me the sport. Go for it. Stanley Cup. NHL. One. Vince Lombardi Trophy. NFL. Two. Commissioner's Trophy. This is where it gets fuzzy for me. <laughs> the Commissioner's Trophy. I'm gonna go with the uh, one. Mm, one one of the NHL conference championship trophies. And Dig. Major League Baseball. Oh. Which what which which one's that? That's That's the, World Series. They call it the Commissioner's Trophy. The Commissioner's trophy? trophy. Oh man, that was George Mountain Landis. Yeah, it's my trophy. Anyway, anyway. Bro. Green jacket. That was a deep dive into baseball <laughs> history, by the way. Mountain Landis. The green jacket. Uh golf, the Masters. Yes. Three. Larry O'Brien Championship Trophy. NBA. Four. The Gentleman's Singles Trophy. Tennis? Which tournament? A U.S. Open. Incorrect. Wimbledon. Ah. The Claret Jug. That's golf. That's right. That's the the Claret Jug. That's the British Open. That's correct. That's five. Okay. The, okay, I think you're going to get it with this one. The Triple Crown Trophy. The Corona Drinking Contest. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, horse racing. Okay, but can you name the three the races? The Kentucky Derby, the Preakness, and the other one. <laughs> I, like, give me a second. Give me a second. <laughs> the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness, and the Belmont Stakes. Yes! Yeah, All right, you hit the over. Good job. All right, now everything's gravy. The yellow jersey. Uh, bike racing, uh, the Tour de France. Yeah, seven. The Borg Warner Trophy. Okay, this trophy weighs oh, 130 pounds, oh, okay. stands 5 okay, feet 4 okay. inches. This is the U.S. Open doubles tennis trophy. <laughs> Am I close? No. Okay. It is the Indy 500. Whatever. Next one. Okay. The America's Cup. I don't know. Oh. Uh, it's like the Piston Cup? Nope. He did what in this cup? Uh, the America's Cup. Uh, Five. Oh, oh, oh. This four, is... Uh, three. MLS. Two. No, oh. yacht racing. <laughs> oh yeah, actually. Okay, okay. And the gray cup. That's the cup that used to be white. That's in your fridge. It's the very old cup. It's, it's the heavy down. Yes. It, the it, gray it, cup. This is. I have no idea. Actually. Oh, uh, lacrosse. CFL, Canadian Football League. Yeah. Okay. Seven. Hey, that was that was over fifty percent. Much better than I thought you would do. Nice. So. Cool. Well done. So, uh, is this going to be a staple of the show, Anthony's game? Just a, a different guessing game, perhaps. Perhaps. Looking forward to it. I put in a whole 10 minutes of effort on this. So. Did you? Yeah. 
Wow. Are you sure you can swing that for three, next week's show? Three separate Google searches. Whoa, you did three Google searches for this? Yes, yeah, in one Wikipedia entry. Whoa, are you yeah. okay? Mm-hmm. I didn't know all that before we started there. the show. I mean, it we've been doing the show for over an hour. Show. Yeah, tell me about it. You must be okay. tired. Do you need anything? Do you want me to go to the store get you something? I'm taking a nap. Take a nap? All right. Just tell me what I can do to help you. Because you did two whole Google searches? Three. Three whole... I'm sorry. Three whole yeah. Google searches and a Wikipedia... And then did a one-hour podcast? Yep. You must be exhausted. I'm tired. I bet you are. Let's, let's put you down for a nap, buddy. I'll get you some warm milk. <laughs> okay. Some warm milk and some graham crackers. Okay. Don't you call them graham grams? Get you some warm milk and some Graham Grams. Speaking of Grams, basketball athletes are the best athletes in the world. Tune in next week when we find out why. That's called a podcast tease. You're a podcast tease. <laughs>